Hey gang, welcome to episode 172 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This episode of No Proscenium is brought to you by listeners like you with the support of the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts. Yes, that's right. Uh, more on that in a second. Uh, but yes, we do have we do have a new sponsor for uh, this time out, folks uh, coming in, uh, coming in during during a gap month, uh, slipping a little something underneath the door here to uh, keep the lights on. So uh, more more on that on the on the back end. But let's get a bunch of stuff. We got a bunch of stuff ahead of us here. Um, in fact, let's start off uh, with what that bit from the Johnny Carson Center for the Emerging Media Arts is. So here's what's up. Um, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you this text because uh, the uh, Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts is uh, a program of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, which is a state school. So we, we must be precise in what we read. And they're looking for something specific. So seeking emerging media arts professors and pioneers. The Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts, a newly established $57 million facility and academic degree at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, is re-envisioning the university for the 21st century and how students learn. We are looking for a pioneering faculty team to reimagine how stories are told across a continuum from live performance to immersive and interactive media, cinema arts, virtual and mixed reality, gaming, extended theater, sonic arts, physical computing, data and art, and spatial and experience design. For more information to apply, visit go.unl.edu slash Carson Center Faculty. For questions, contact Megan Elliott, Director, Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts at megan.elliott at unl.edu. And yes, those links will be in the show notes. There you go. That's what's up. We are helping the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts find faculty. So that is our mission this month here at No Proscenium, among others, among many, many, many other. Um, hey, um, you want to know who's on the show today? Yeah, Noah, that tends to help. We've got uh, Tad Schaefer of Drycraft Los Angeles. Uh, he's going to be on the show. A bit more on that when we set up, because this, this is this is a fun interview. This is a field interview. We're using the new equipment. We're out there in the world. We're talking to Tad, and uh, it's it's a a wee bit unconventional uh, in, in more than one way. This episode, um, I don't I don't want to give everything away, but it's a wee bit unconventional. We'll we'll get back to that in a second here. Um, first up, um, there's there's some events going on. Uh, some events that happened. I want to thank everyone who came out to the Everything Immersive meetup this week in New York. Um, I want to change hats for a second. And as as a member of Leia, I want to thank everyone who came out to Leia's Meet the Press, which featured Brian Bishop, Juliet Bennett, Ryla, and myself. Um, about 40 people showed up at uh, Thymeli. Um, it, that was great. It was actually more than I thought were going to show up. Um, real hunger for us to do more events. So 
we're going to do more events. Uh, pretty much uh, simple. We're going to do more. Leia's going to do more stuff. Uh, we've got that workshop coming up. Uh, and, and we're running out of spaces. I think we have like four, maybe five spaces left in the one with uh, Marissa and Tara from Third Rail. Uh, so we're gonna do more stuff like that. We're gonna do uh, town halls. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get things going again. Also, everything immersive is gonna start having uh, good old office hours here. So uh, the no pro office hours are gonna become everything immersive office hours. And it has something really exciting that I can't tell you about yet because we've got to make sure we actually have the facility. But just so you know, we're cooking and we're cooking with gas. Okay, so. Um, this weekend, and, and I gotta get on, oh my god, I gotta get on plane in not too long. Uh, this weekend, uh, I'll be at the Denver Immersive Summit, uh, that is, uh, at, uh, University of Colorado, Denver. Uh, lots of people there. Uh, this is gonna be a really great, uh, really great event. I, th I think it's sold out, but there's still some, like, meetup stuff going on around. Go, go check out the Denver Immersive Summit, uh, listings, if you will. Um, Immersive Design Summit, our applications are still open, just 10 days left, um, and uh, things are going strong over there. Uh, we're still announcing folks. We've got some big announcements next week. Uh, yeah, we're not done. We're not done announcing speakers. We announced a few more speakers this week. We got more speakers uh, in the queue. And uh, you know how we like to do, we're finishing pretty strong here. So uh, you'll you'll understand why I'm so pleased as to what we've got to say. <laughs> um, wow, that was that was genuine. I wasn't performing that, and I haven't laughed like that all week long. So uh, I I miss talking to you. It's been like a week. It's been like two weeks. I missed the North American newsletter. I hit send. It didn't go out, and I was like, "What is going on?" Um, it's been a harrowing two weeks in more ways. In many, 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 many ways, it has been harrowing. IDS applications still open. Four hundred ninety-five dollars, two days in San Francisco um, this February. Oh, what else is going on? Um, Hey, um, before we get into uh, the Patreon a bit and and some some explanation, uh, I want to give a shout out to next week's guest, Carly Blair. Uh, she'll be our guest on the show next week. Have that episode in the can for a while. Um, her company, Dream Logic, has a fast turnaround show, Broken Clocks. Dream, Lock, Dream Logic are the people who did Snowfridge. That's here in Los Angeles this weekend. So uh, give a look see to the NoPro website or to everythingimmersive.com aka the Facebook group, in order to check out information there. Uh, and keep your eyes peeled. If you're in Los Angeles, keep your eyes peeled for tickets to Fort Lark's Catabasis. Um, I probably just butchered that name. I saw it last night. Four Larks is a lovely company. They they work in this kind of like found art opera aesthetic. Uh, we, could, we, could, we could wax poetic about it for a while. Uh, this show is a processional. So it's it's not an immersive theater in the sense that you have a bunch of agency, uh, but you're moving from station to station, which fits in our wheelhouse. You know, we players, a lot of folks uh, do this kind of work. This is the most beautiful processional I have ever seen. Just brilliant in terms of pacing. It's just, it's a gorgeous piece. It's at the Getty Villa. It's sold out, but occasionally the villa will drop tickets. And when they drop, they're going to go fast. This is like the Carnegie Arena of processional theater in Los Angeles. And it's just really exciting to see the big institutions like the Getty Villa, like the Huntington, get behind this art form as an art form. Much the way it's saying exciting to see Plummer Park in WeHo get behind the art form with Rogue Artist Ensemble's Senior Plumber. This is a great time for immersive, experiential, site-specific work in Los Angeles. 
in not just because of the independent companies who are who are out there experimenting and delivering so strongly, but also because of the arts institutions who uh, are embracing the form. And I just want to say bravo to everyone in those institutions for doing that because you're making space for some gorgeous, moving work to be made. Um, and yeah, uh, more anon on that. We've got to finally have the four larks on. Uh, they're, they're long, long overdue. Okay, um, that's all that stuff. Let's um, let's give a shout out um, uh, to our brand new Patreon backers, Sean McBride and Mister Very Mean. Um, thank you for joining on. Um, we're having a we're having a we're having a rough ride right now. Um, uh, you know, we, you might notice, uh, there's been some alteration in the sponsorship language. Um, to the best of my knowledge, uh, this is, this is not a, this is actually, um, you know, semi planned temporary status setup thing. Uh, I expect some stuff to come back. Um, but like right now, Hey, um, we are where we are. Uh, we are where we are. Uh, at some point, we're always going to be in this place again. Uh, so at the end of the day, the the show, the newsletter, moderating everything immersive, all the various things we do, um, it survives because of the listeners. Um, we lost about four or five people on the Patreon. We're back down under the 1250. Um, you know, sometimes it's credit cards declining and sometimes it's folks just being like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. Um, we need you even just at the dollar a month. If everyone who listened to the show were at the dollar a month level, we'd be, we'd be doing pretty good. If everyone who was on everything immersed, you've heard me say this before. The point is I'm asking you, um, if you aren't giving to the show, patreon.com slash no proscenium. If you are giving the show, uh, tell folks about the show. Tell folks about No Persinium. Spread the word. Uh, we are only as good as our word of mouth. That's the truth. We're only as good as our word of mouth. And there's some brilliant work being done, not by me. <laughs> me? I'm just a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Um, <laughs> but by Lauren Bellow, by Catherine Yu by Kevin Gossett, by by so many of the folks who are writing for us, Michaela, Anthony holding it down, Brianna's out there, was out there in New Orleans, Brianna, you owe me right up. Um, folks just like left and right and center. Um, just tons and tons and tons. Uh, Kara, who's delivers a bunch of video stuff, which I haven't had time to like process yet, um, which we're gonna get out. The team who backs us up, um, is amazing. And what I would really like to be able to do is to be in immersive world for all time. So I can support their work. Brian up in, up in San Francisco. I feel like I'm on romper room right now. I see you all. I see your work. I'm not honoring it as well as I could because of my other obligations. And I, I just, they're not listening. I don't want my other obligations anymore. I want to work for you. I want to work for the community. So Spread the word, patreon.com slash nopersinium, com to just spread the word about the show. Uh, our sustaining backers who keep us alive continue to be Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen. God, I'm seeing Lonnie and I just butchered it. Uh, I had to, <laughs> um, full disclosure, 
Um, I was back at the oral surgeon yesterday, so um, I'm in pain right now. <laughs> so maybe why I'm laughing is I'm painkillers, and I got to talk in Denver tomorrow. So this is gonna be fun. It hurts to talk, and and I got to talk in Denver. Uh, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurstan, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Uh, you are my rocks, and I thank you for that. Okay, that is that is a lot. How far are we into the show? Wowzer, we're 12 minutes in. Eh, it's a lot of information. Okay, here we go. Setting up the interview. So, um, Tad Schaefer, he's an actor. He's a seeker. I, th- I think seeker is, is maybe the best way to explain who Tad Schaefer is. Uh, he's one half of Dry Craft Los Angeles. Uh, with his partner, Eric Hoff. Um, Drycraft is a unique production company in that um, they're they're very interested in uh, complex, unfolding narratives that um, exist in the liminal spaces between, well, the Tad we're going to meet is a Tad you will find if you seek him. There are lines here where we're entering into unknown mystery territory. I want you to know fully that the Tad you meet is the Tad you'll always find. And yet at the same time, he's a Tad that exists in your mind. For a very special episode. I'm going to get sued for doodly doodling. Um, a very special episode of No Presidium. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you on the other side. Let's, uh, let's head out into the North Hollywood night. Wait, one more thing. This is Noah from the end of the show coming back to the past, to the beginning of the show, to let you know that Tad told me. Noah from the end of the show, that there are going to be some special versions of Moonglow tickets going on sale soon. Pretty sure that's what the message says. This time travel thing is very confusing, but I just wanted to make clear that you know that you're going to get an opportunity to go out on the wolf trail. All right, now do the thing where the music goes. So we're out here on... uh Chandler and Vineland, right? You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, started to learn my NoHo um, geography a little better. Nice. So uh, we're out here on the Wolf Trail. That's correct. Yeah. You've been planning this one for a while. Yeah. I mean, I've been aware of the the mystery for a while, and I sort of started the Instagram page and started a sort of like meditation on the mystery but that sort of picked up its own momentum and so that sort of created this initiative that sort of is kind of out of my hands now but is like this group of people that are really interested in exploring this particular murder but also feel like it's connected to other murders as well Hmm. and feel like it has some kind of importance that they can't quite put their finger on but it's a group of people that are like mystics and and uh, doctors and and sort of people that are interested in history and Los Angeles lore and true crime fans and all that stuff that sort of have, are gathered together to tr- 
try to get to the bottom of this, not through like research, because they hit dead ends on research, but through spiritual means, through spiritual technology. Oh. Yeah. Um, how, how, does, how does that work? I don't really I don't really know but it's it's um, so their whole notion behind Moonglow as the first step in this is to begin to develop a ceremony and ritual through intuitive consensus through layering on one layer after another night after night and sort of observing the patterns that people respond to and that people sink into and things that people find night to night will continue to sort of um, float to the top and we kind of use the intuition of the audience as a guide and I'm here to sort of be the monitor for that and so I report back to the initiative about what it is that I'm observing and what it is that people are doing and I, there's an altar at the end of the night where people leave things after they sort of do these different rituals. And that's kind of how it's developed. And so I sort of take a tally of everything that's in the altar. I take it with me and I incorporate what they tell me to incorporate the next night. And they change the audio track from night to night. So, it's, so, you, so the story that someone got on the first night is different from what the audio track and what what they're experiencing now I don't know exactly all the differences in the audio track but I know that they get a little bit more information and a little bit more sort of detail sort of gets figured out as things get clearer Mm. so it's sort of a it's a process in which by the end of this run it will be solidified enough to do it again and perhaps have it be a standalone sort of just listenable experience for mm. anyone that's not even here but that anyone could just do in a dark room or in a park that's kind of the idea to sort of continue to build bodies and build uh, people that can sort of have these responses because those responses will feed into the story that's unraveled because right now what's what's in the audio at least through the, the bulk of it, is very much keyed to things you see here on the Chandler Trail. Right, right. Yeah, it's like fixed. Are those, are those reconstructions? Are those, are those re- recordings that were found? Like, how, how, does, how does that fold in? Those recordings, um, are you talking about the sort of the, what people pick up after they come into here? Because I only know it by description, but... Um, I know that there's the exercises right. that happen That's west the, of Vineland. Right. And then, and then east of Vineland. East of Vineland. Things change. Things change. There's a paranormal phenomenon that they've observed and they're trying to sort of like unpack that um, I guess are these radio transmissions. Um, and the reports, I believe, are the reports from Agnes Underwood at the Herald Express who was the first female editor of a major metropolitan paper. She was the first on the scene in the Black Dahlia murder. She's a real person, and she reported on this crime through the Herald Express. So I believe those are the the actual verbatim reports from this crime. That's just a thing that happens while you're, you're here. There's this, this right, right. interference. Right, right. Like I said, I haven't heard it. Right. 
are you and when this is all said and done are, are you gonna are you gonna listen to like the final uh it depends on if they let me i'm right. contractually obligated to not listen to it okay. <laughs> this is not this is not the first time you've been like like obligated to like a a, a a strange group of people here in Los Angeles. Like, yeah. there's, there's a pattern with you. You keep yeah. on, because you, you, you're you're an actor by trade, but you, you mm-hmm. keep on following. Why does this happen to you? Well, I, I don't know. I think once you do it once, then sort of you kind of get looped into it again. Um, I was the, I was the, the administrative assistant, they would call it a prudent necessary for the society. Which um, I mean, prudent necessary is a pretty good term for an administrative assistant. Yeah, yeah it's prudent. Yeah, and it's necessary. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I was not a member of the society. I would just sort of run errands for them and do. I would run it back and forth. They they're in the mountain. They're deeper in the mountain now, <laughs> but um, I would run errands for them. Did that pay well? It paid pretty good. Okay. And the last few months, um, I I was doing it and not doing a lot of work, frankly. So. Um, I kind of floated by a little bit and kind of let it, let inertia sort of take hold, which I blame myself for. But, um, yeah, they let me go. And so I was, I guess, a man without a country. So <laughs> somebody, I got this email from the World Story Initiative. They knew that I'd started the Instagram account. They asked to take it over. And they, uh, they sort of hooked me into, they hooked Drycraft into producing and running this piece but with some sort of limitations on my involvement i sort of set up everything and i sort of facilitate i try to make sure it's safe and i try to sort of observe and do my sort of on hire producer work but other than that like they they call the shots safe safe can be uh, a little tricky out here like you you start at the the noho red line which um that's that's a fairly interesting place right it now. It is, yeah. Uh, and then down here, it's uh, I mean, it's kind of like appropriately spooky for the mm-hmm. for the thing. Yeah. Um, I, I see a fair number of people uh, traveling in pairs, which yeah. is probably probably a good way to do it. I did it solo. That was yeah. there's one somebody, I think a, a, a gentleman who might live somewhere along this trail, and I don't yeah. know the house was like. Kind yeah. of like giving me the eye. I think the he guy was, by I think, the van. Not by the van. It was like mm-hmm. it was actually he walked by me. I think he was. I think he was af- more afraid of me than yeah. anything. He was like, "Why is there someone standing and staring into space?" Yeah, I try to talk to as many folks beforehand and sort of give them the all clear of what's going on, and I try to circle around as much as I can. But I'm very passionate about like not giving over space to public use, and that. Yeah, people are staying here. People are living here, um, but it's public space, and we can do that, and we can share space in a respectful way. Yeah, and still, I mean, this is my neighborhood, and I feel very passionately about people being able to feel safe in public at night. And I feel like the more we recede, the more we sort of allow public space to become as speak of the devil. Looks like he's just inquiring. Yeah. You can't see. There's a guy who rode by us on a bicycle, over the, which has a for sale sign on it, actually. I didn't catch the number for the for sale. Uh, he gave kind of eyeballed us, and there's two folks on the trail who uh, who he's uh, 
observing now, kind of talking with. I think there's some other folks who are like on the trail, maybe like right right behind, who are, are going to come along here. So. Yeah, should we stroll? Let's stroll for a second here. This feels like. I feel like he's like just about ready to like. Yeah, he's got one foot on. One foot on, his, on the pedal, so it's like. He's like. Questing, questing, questing. Yeah, he is. He's now moving on. So. And now there's now what was. Uh, we have a quorum developing. This yeah, what was interesting? Yeah, what was two mm-hmm. has now become four. Yeah. And. Um, let's uh, let's do the old walk pass. Let's do the old walk pass. I think yeah. I think doing the old walk pass would probably be. Oh, he thinks there's something. He thinks there's something satanic going on. That's that's the number one thing everyone thinks for anything yep. on the immersive. Uh, I remember one time we were down in Orange County uh, for one. Granted, we were walking around in red cloaks on that one, so um, that uh, I also like how people who 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 don't have um, I'll put it this way like don't have a lot of room for anything resembling art or culture in their lives uh, mm-hmm. just instantly jump to let's say tannic. it must be the devil it must be the devil that's right and you know I mean they're not wrong no um, no kidding am I probably mostly mostly <laughs> kidding I mean it all depends upon your point of view and what you, know? you think of as the devil yeah how yeah. you picture the devil in your mind yeah, I mean there, there there's people and, and this is this is their legit sensibility is if if it's taking any attention away from the almighty then it's satanic by sure. by default sure that's a good segue to faith yeah good segue <laughs> to faith yeah <laughs> um there's there's a there's a there is a ritual aspect to this though which i suppose he didn't even get down by the ritual aspect um is that something that's also been evolving uh, night to night, or because you mentioned absolutely, yeah. Those so the seven notes that you find that that evolved over time uh, and uh, is, is a newer phenomenon, and those are continuing to change and evolve. And then we're responding as the as we, each of the altar pieces change, and we sort of use a ritual and find whether it's useful or not. We sort of retire and sort of bring in new ones. And I think the the ones that people naturally choose the most sort of get their, we get their juice from it and then we're able to move on and then uh, continue to sort of try to intuitively grasp at new rituals to to move by, inspired by people's responses, their imagistic response. So like the, what you hear at the end is the is the audio responses of past participants yeah. that, have, that have responded to, to what it is that they've heard and, and offered up their sort of recollections, their revelations, and we try to incorporate that, not just the audio, but also the spirit of those things in, in what we explore in the next ritual. Let me, uh, let me dial into some other work that, that Drycraft has been a part of of late which was uh with rochester you just wrapped that up like what a weekend ago or? yeah it was last weekend we did our last show on sunday as we're recording this just so you know so yeah. we're recording this on the um 27th yes 27th of october yeah, october 21st was our last performance yeah. that was uh the second run you had a fair number of runs 
had two runs, mm-hmm. fair number of runs. Fair, <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair Two is fair. Two, sure. two, is, two is a fair number. Sure. Um, how, how <laughs> middle of the night, I'm like tracking things like, what's around us now? I'm like, how is that for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this process has been interesting. That going straight from Rochester, where I was exploring a lot of stuff from my past as a as an evangelical, as a as growing up as a pastor's kid, and and really wrestling with some some faith stuff, and then now kind of exploring and discovering my own sort of spiritual sort of um, ethic or my spiritual sort of inclinations um, through ritual, yeah, and through theater and through exploration of of ideas um, and trying to embody that, trying to live in it and trying to uh, be in communion with others with it. So it's a bit of, it's, I've kind of had a lot of crap going down in my life and, and so this has been an interesting way to sort of unpack some of that and explore some of it. I've had a lot of violence happen in my life lately. My aunt and uncle uh, shot and killed each other. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so just I before their... I did not, <laughs> did not know about that at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just before their, their kids were going to come over for a visit. And um, even in spite of that, it was still not all that surprising. And uh, then my cousin um, lost custody of her, her kid because of her addiction. And then decided to go out and get really high and then got run over by a train. That was, so that was a, a bad month for our family. But a lot of violence and a lot of these really violent last moments um, that I haven't known what to do with and haven't known where to put. Um, so this exploration has been really useful for me to just have a place to just bring a bit of sanctity and sanctuary and spiritual attention in a way that does not feel so loaded and pressured in the way that Christianity often feels to me. Well, yeah, that was one of the things that was interesting, I think, for folks on Rochester. I know the, the second time I got a chance to see it, a lot of people on the on the van on the ride back were saying they were having flashbacks mm-hmm. because it was the, the pastor kid experience or the, the young evangelical experience had been a big part of their own lives and they had... You know, folks, oftentimes folks in the arts, you know, they they, they have that kind of mm-hmm. structure somewhere. Maybe they, like, shoot out from it, you know, like yeah. folks folks who who expect uh, there to be a, a multi, multi-layer amount of meaning mm-hmm. in life. I mean, that's one of the things that... It fosters really analytical people. It fosters creative people. It, it it's, a, it's a pathway that a lot of people jump off of into theater and... and people with a lot of passion and dedication uh, usually stick with <laughs> theater uh, so there's a lot of correlation I remember vividly every time people get sort of escorted into the church and the church service is already in motion and people's faces as they're entering into that church space you could tell who had experience in church and who did not necessarily want to be taken back there 
And so I felt like a lot of the whole communication that I'm doing up there during that whole process was trying to soothe those those anxieties because that's also like what my dad would have to do when people would come in who hadn't been to church in, in many years and and would be looking for some kind of um, release from all that pressure but still wanting something you know yep. a helicopter. remind me to tell you the helicopter story oh I'll have you tell me a helicopter story. There's a police airship above, uh, about about probably I'd say three or four blocks away. The night sun uh, is, uh, which is what we call the the lights here on the helicopters in Los Angeles, uh, is uh, illuminating something. It could be anything from a traffic stop to um, a murder. You know, it's the full range. They'll 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 drop that thing for pretty much any reason. you know, if uh, if a patrol car asks for air support, yeah, uh, that's what they get. So uh, I'll tell you the helicopter story. So when we were rehearsing uh, Rochester, nineteen ninety six. Oh yeah. We um, we were rehearsing a scene in which, so the the play uh, takes place first in a church, then in a van, as you go with a pastor and his queer daughter teenage daughter as they're going through their day in real time as these sort of very eventful moments in their day unfold and tensions break and so we were rehearsing a scene in which these tensions break on the side of the road where we were having one of our scenes and there's a moment in which I sort of pull my daughter into the van and try to explain things to her and so we did that we had our emotional scene. Lauren came over, directed us a little bit. We got back in the van and we drove past, drove back to the house, which is where the, the final act of Rochester takes place. So we ended up back at the house and I'm doing my scene. We continued on and I'm in the kitchen and I and we have a soundscape that's in the background that Dave, our, our sound designer, had been making. And I start hearing this helicopter and I think, oh, Dave is looped in a helicopter. That's an interesting choice. I don't know how I feel about it, but I've got to get back into actor brain. <laughs> and so then I end up back in the living room, back near the front of the house, and then all of a sudden hear, come out, come out, come out. I open the door, and there are seven police cars that have descended on the house, and there's 12 officers all standing along the street just shouting things at us. Apparently, someone had called in saying that a man with a gun had taken two 14-year-old girls and forcibly put them into a van. And then they had followed us as we'd gone all the way back to the house. And <laughs> and so they were looking for me. There was a helicopter above me pointed up right at the, <laughs> right at the house. And, uh, and we explained the situation, that it was immersive theater and that these two girls that they were talking about were grown women that and that there was no violence there was just a gentle sort of pull eventually things calmed down and uh and they left but were they were were they guns drawn the 12 there were two guns out yeah yeah adventures in immersive theater yeah so we made a few changes (laughs) and made some adjustments but yeah when you do things out in the world, it's scary. It's scary stuff. Yeah, there's, there's. Well, the world's yeah. a scary place. Yeah. Um, but Lauren's first response, because she's a filmmaker as well, 
when they asked, like, are you filming? Are you filming? And she's like, no, we are not filming. We're not filming. And yeah. I was like, Lauren, Lauren, they don't send the helicopters mm. for L.A. film. <laughs> if they think we're filming, that's okay. Yeah. Well, she's like, oh, we don't have a permit because we're going to be next She's like, where's your permit? Right. It's like, we're not permitted. You know? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She could have just said, we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing. Yeah. <laughs> we're not filming, we're rehearsing. Exactly, yeah. which is which is what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. very much true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, does, does Do moments like that kind of like make you step back though? And, and, all the and time. All the time. I step back all the time and trying to walk that line of, I'm passionate about reclaiming real space for artistic purposes and for ceremonial purposes and for uh, magic, for experiencing your world in odd hours of the day, yes, at like dawn and at midnight or at, or at sunset or at, at when the moon rises. These are important things to be able to continue to find magic in. And in order to do that, you have to be out in real space, in your communities, in your streets. And so I don't ever want to just give that over and say that's not possible I want to be able to find a way to make it as safe as possible but still possible so I don't know I I step back all the time and I think about I think about safety and I know that um, I know that there's always a way that things can be safer and I think about it all the time so I just try to like use other people and use some of our more devoted, more sort of adventurous audience to sort of signal back to us or test run people and, and try to do what's legally appropriate and, and just do my best. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting watching tonight as people walk the trail and, and this, this duo became another duo. Mm-hmm. Like they are now, clearly they look like people who probably don't know each other, but they're traveling the trail together. Yeah. They're feeling fairly secure. They're a little, little chatty. They also have individuals on, but it's like there's something about seeing, seeing other people at the different stations, which gives it a, a grounding. I think. Yeah, there's something really special when you start to see people in a line, whether they're moving sort of like according to the 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 timing that it all should sort of lock in. But then there's also the the way that it clumps has been really interesting. <laughs> now they're laughing. Yeah. That's funny. So it's just, uh, it's been really interesting to sort of be here at night and just be the only witness to, to the patterns that start, sort of start to develop in the way that people are um, moving about through space and experiencing very private moments or paired off moments or like, like these four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something I feel like we should like, de-anchor ourselves give them, give yeah them give them because there's there's about there's eight souls all together between uh, yeah I think I think that's a very good idea to cross over um, I mean I'm pretty sure they've figured out that we're like monitoring some of the big fuzzball here so and I don't mean my beard I mean the windsock on the <laughs> microphone um, so what I mean what what drew you? Well, what drew you and Eric to make drycraft in the in the first place, and and to work in this form, right? Yeah. Well, it really came out of. Um, we started developing a, a shared 
um, mythology that we started playing with and started talking about and developing uh, just as sort of a lark. Um, and then that turned into um, a sort of... Um, started getting more ambitious. But it was also just a place for Eric and I to both have a place where we could try out things that we were really curious about and that we wanted to just see what would happen and to do on a shoestring and to do without a lot of pressure to uh, for it to create really branded IP or to, or to find some kind of um, marketing brilliance or to, to create scale. We just wanted to make something that was interesting to us. Um, so we're, we kind of use it as our, our canvas for anything that nobody else will do, <laughs> that nobody else that we know will do with us. But C- capital W joining with us to do Ro- Rochester was really sort of a departure. And so it's changing. It's continuing to evolve. And TriCraft will continue to sort of figure out its way. The more stories we tell, we'll kind of figure out what that what that means for us but uh it's it's definitely fluid right now we're figuring it out <laughs> well and eric's got his he's got a working over with think well and that's yeah very large projects all the time and you're you are a relatively in-demand actor when it comes to the the stage stuff so relatively I mean, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well meaning that i see you in a lot of, see you yeah, yeah. working all the time which is yeah. great right you know yeah it's it's fun to work with other companies i love i love the community that's here i love getting to to play in other people's playgrounds it's it's a real treat and i'm an actor sort of in my bones so if i'm not doing it then I never don't feel like I'm growing and or, or, or living really. <laughs> How long have you been in Los Angeles? So that's something I don't know. Uh, Twelve years. Uh, I met my wife in Seattle, um, and she had been doing musical theater in Seattle for about ten years. And um, I met her. She was planning on moving to LA in like a couple months, and I just kind of invited myself along, and uh, it was the best decision I ever made. That's good. Yeah. Well, what did what did taking you to Seattle uh, before then? Uh, I was I had, was born there, lived there till I was nine, and I went back to go to school uh, at Seattle Pacific University, where I met Eric, mm. my creative partner Eric Hoff, and um, and then I worked at the Seattle Rep uh, as their um, their artistic intern, and worked there for a while and did some assistant directing and then I met my wife and I and I left and then I worked at Center Theater Group in their casting office and did that whole sort of arts administration path for a while and then realized that I was an actor and that I wanted to be on the other side of the table mm. I still do casting but um, that's not really my focus so it was so you didn't start acting until Later on in your... I had been acting in college and doing, mm. like, readings and right. plays here and there. I was acting when I met my wife, but um, I kind of gave it up when I moved to L.A. because I was like, she's the actor, she'll do that, and I'll figure out this big theater thing. Mm. You know, arts administration stuff. Yeah. It's not really for me. Yeah, institutional... I'm, I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm... I'm 
and we need it. Yeah. Right. Like, and there's, there's definitely, there's things that those companies do that are incredibly important in terms of fostering work and, and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's, but being on some sides of it is just sort of can be damaging for the soul. I remember my first job when I worked at the Seattle Rep, which I had worked in concessions there, like, all through college. And so I'd seen every show. I saw Secret in the Wings, the Mary Zimmerman play, like, 27 times. And just, like, was just absorbed and so in awe of these actors. Specifically, like, older male character actors. Seattle just had this incredible stable of them. And they were so good. And I was in awe of them. And then I, my first job, once I was the assistant to the casting director was to sort of bring them into their auditions and so I'd walk into the waiting room and I'd say hey come on in and and the director will see you and I was there during a regime change so the artistic director who had been there for for many years left and a new one was coming in and they'd be like how is it in there I said I "I really need I can't go back to working construction for the summer I gotta I, I gotta have I gotta have this job and I saw the sort of fear and desperation in their eyes, and it terrified me as like the 22-year-old kid who sort of thought that if you're at the top of your game and if you're doing what it is that you love, then, then maybe then security yeah. will find your way yeah. its way to you. Yeah. But now I'm basically at that same place, full of that same desperation. But I could, I wouldn't live any other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's. I think about this sometimes. Like, I think. Would, would it be better if I just stuck to the day job or if I just had like not come back into media and just worked an admin job somewhere or or it worked my way up through the movie theater chain which mm-hmm. I want to maniacally laugh about that because yep. that's that thing's almost dead entirely but mm-hmm. but there but then the, or you know work the film festival route because I was doing that for a while sure. and, and the festival festival circuit's really interesting like I, there's it's highly enjoyable in, yeah. in a lot of ways and there are people who you know like like our friend Landon like jump, yeah. they jump from festival to festival and like and they work the big ones and they work the little ones and yeah. all in between and it's a it's a really full life and yeah. you're you're constantly on the move and and that's that's an adventure but there's only so many of those jobs yeah and you have you a know. curatorial mindset that and a and a capacity for taking in a lot of a lot of work that I just I I'm in awe of and I, I just don't have. I can't take in too much, mm. you know. I have to be focused on what it is that I'm worth. I'm a terrible theater goer in a lot of ways. Like, all my friends are in shows and I tr- try to see stuff as much as I can, but I just don't have that many spoons. I just mm. don't have that much capacity to, to sort of take in art. Yeah. Um, I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't. My mind is is a bit um, obsessive, so I I it it takes me off my track a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my my great regret these days is I never had enough time to read. Like, I, yeah. like reading reading a book, whether it's a, a novel or a, a piece of nonfiction, mm-hmm. is probably my favorite thing, other than all this stuff. And mm-hmm. blessedly, comic books are short, so I still keep comic books feeding the machine. It's nice that you have that. Yeah, but but novels. Novels take a lot of thought and time, mm-hmm. so you just there's just not happening when there's just a sheer volume of stuff going on all the time. Um, it's almost like yeah, completely ridiculous. Yeah, we're it's funny we've 
we've moved about a block away from everybody. I can't see. You can't even see him. Yeah, can't see any there's of them now. some over there, yeah. just on the left side of the path. Yeah, they're sort of ambling around. I think they're doing one of the rituals. Should we uh, wander back there? Yeah, yeah let's, 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 let's give a little look and see. Yeah. That's, that's a good a good cycle here. You know. Um, yeah, it's funny because, like, Chandler here is this bike trail, which used to be the Pacific Electric Line. Yeah. So. The largest um, metro system in the world in the 20s. Yeah, the, I know. The largest uh, electric uh, railway in the world. The, you know, there's... There's a one, of course. There's always the Who Framed Roger Rabbit version of the story, which yep. is my personal favorite. I saw that sure. in, saw that nine times in the theater when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, I, not kidding. I, I just would go back like every week at least once. Um, and then I always heard the version of the story that it was uh, like the tire companies like bought them out and shut yep. them down. But um, the actual story may just be that. A lot of them were built out to subdivisions, mm-hmm. and that was the whole game, was to get people out of downtown, and at a certain point, like, some of the need just dried up. But yeah. it is... You know who owns those subdivisions? Huntington, or... Guys like Harry Chandler. Yeah, Huntington. Yeah, yeah. Huntington, Huntington and Chandler. Huntington and Chandler were, yeah. the, were the two big, biggest um, landowners at that time. Yeah. Harry Chandler ran the, and owned the LA Times, sort of started a lot of what municipal LA is now uh, and sort of like the opera and you know Dorothy Chandler is his daughter yeah yeah daughter-in-law yeah yeah you know, the, the 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 imprint of those families and the, the I mean the probably the craziest thing I was just thinking about this earlier today because um got to see uh senior plumbers Oh, uh, yeah, who was that? Well, it is good. Oh, it is really... I can't they, wait. They ex- yeah, do, oh, you, you, that's when you are going to see. I, I, I hope so. They extended Well, Tyler's it. in it, so yeah. I have to see what Tyler yeah. does. Oh, it looks, like, it looks like everyone's made friends now. Oh, good. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, let's stand on the... Yeah, let's stand, stand on near one of the things. They're terrible. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, it was pretty... You know, I, I fell off track for a minute, but then once I got back on, uh, it was... It was just charming and, and joyful and and a nice big chunk of L.A. history. Yeah, you know? that's great. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like L.A. history is only, I mean, well, there's the history of like human settlement here, which has gone like mm-hmm. stretches way back when. Mm-hmm. But municipal L.A. history like only stretches maybe like 150, 200 years max, right? Yeah. Like it's a, for a global capital, we're an incredibly global cultural capital. We're an incredibly young city. We're probably the youngest yeah. big city and on the planet. And have been through a lot of epochs in that period of time. A like, massive number, yeah. Yeah. To go through, you know, two different countries and to come out the other side and to have almost no institutional memory of it. Like, we've just forgotten that we used to be, you know, Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Forgotten that we used to be Mexico. Forgotten that we used to be... Mm-hmm. All kinds of things. Yeah, you know? we just keep we keep evolving, but it's yeah. it's there. It's underneath the. You scratch a little bit. It's underneath the surface. Yeah, yeah, right? and that's that's like the core of what it is that we're, that I'm interested in exploring with Drycraft is is really localized. I'd love to do other cities too, but like really, like my focus is on exploring that other layer that I feel all the time when I'm walking around in L.A. and that. I just want other people to f- 
feel it with because I feel like I feel like there's something there. I feel like there's something that can be discovered about who we were in how we are now and how we've changed. This can't be an accident that all this stuff is here. All these murals, all this... There's some kind of intuitive sense to it. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. You know, I'm trying to, like, figure out why... Why 290? Like, why is that meter say 290? I don't know. <laughs> but all these, uh, like, could mean something. And they... And I think they do. And the things that we think don't mean anything, all we have to do is give a little bit of attention to it and give a little bit of care and see it from multiple angles with different people and we'll figure out what it is on some level. We'll figure out what it is ritualistically. And that's almost as good as knowing something. That's making me think, like, of late I've heard some folks complaining about the human proclivity for narrative and that narrative actually, like messes up our ability to perceive reality. And I just keep on coming back to, well, well, stories, how we communicate, like yeah. there's almost no way around that, but the, 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 the trick is to just keep collecting stories. Like what's interesting about these murals, which is interesting about out here is, and what was always interesting to me about, uh, immersive pieces that have, uh, multiple, multiple tracks is that you get all these different points of view and, mm-hmm. and you realize that you can't just, can't just listen to one story and, mm-hmm. and know what's really going on. You have to listen to a bunch of stories. Right. And from that, the real picture emerges, or something like the real picture emerges. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, and that it's that layering, that layer on layer on layer on layer of, of, of expression, of consciousness, of, of movement, that creates a picture. There's a picture in there that with enough, enough bodies and enough souls and enough voices becomes something if even if it's not clear we have an emotional response to those things that begin to any choreography like just just the us moving in rhythm with each other that tells us something that teaches us something about who it is that we are and where it's possible for us to go and where we come from hey that I mean, other than the hey, <laughs> feels like a good space to, to wrap for the night. Tada, thanks for walking the trail with me. Hey, thanks for ha- thanks for being here, and thanks for exploring this little world. All right. We'll do this again sometime, maybe right. maybe indoors over, over coffee. <laughs> Sounds good. Mm. Hey, Lauren Flans is having a party tonight. You want to come? <laughs> I feel like I should just state for the record that I didn't wind up going to Lauren Flans's birthday party. I, I heard it was quite nice up in the hills. Great view. Really cool. I just much like today, I had to travel uh, the next day. So uh, I couldn't stay up that late. I know I'm an old man now. Um, that being said, keep your eye on Drycraft Los Angeles. Uh, Tad, Tad's just a force of nature. He's he's a great human being. And uh, so many of uh, the, the the places he goes with his work are are places uh, I, I want to go to. So keep your eye over there. And I want to I want to state something fully for the record. Um, we are still in the meow wolf business here at No Persinium. We've got 
um, at least one special project cooking with them right now and some other stuff on the horizon. It's just the sponsor block stuff that's changed. So um, that's it. That's all that's going on there. Um, we're still, we're still tied. We still love those folks. They're still helping us out with the immersive design summit. So the, the relationship is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, if anything, we're making some long-term bets. Um, I'm making some long-term bets on them. Um, and I feel like they're making some long-term bets on us. And for that, just for the record, um, still thankful and grateful. And I really look forward to continuing work alongside them. Um, yeah, straight up. Um, just in case I didn't want anyone getting like the wrong impression and be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? It's like, everybody chill. All right. Like we've got a plan. I am a schemer. So, okay. Where are we at? We did a really long opening and we covered a lot of territory and I'm, I am dead serious. We need your help on the Patreon. We need your help getting word out there. We're going to start taking that word to everything immersive, uh, in part because the, the workload at everything immersive is going up, right? Like we, we had an intense weekend last weekend. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it's kind of, um, it's interesting to, to moderate a really, a uh, fast-moving discussion when you're driving the grapevine and you're trying to get back to Los Angeles. So with that in mind, um, we're, we're, we're taking the good word there uh, about uh, how, to, how to help keep that going. There's, there's a, the busy season never stops. You know, we had this really, really big spooky season, and now we're moving into uh, deeper in the fall, into the winter. And uh, the work just carries over and continues. There's some great pieces up on the website right now. I really encourage you to check out Lauren Bellow's piece about crossed wires. Uh, I think it's like the best writing we've ever had on the site. Uh, I've said that a couple of times now. Um, we're about to release uh, a review of Cursed uh, in Chicago from a, a guest writer uh, who's sent to us by our friend Dean Corin, uh, who used to coordinate uh, Midwest for us. Hey, Dean, how's it going? Um, we've got, uh, a review of, um, the unreal garden in San Francisco from Brian, our San Francisco coordinator. Uh, those might even go up today on Friday. Uh, and, um, so, you know, and I probably should have said this at the beginning, uh, Tad is releasing some new editions of Moonglow. In fact, I'm going to go back to the start. I'm going to time travel. I'm going to add that on right before we get into Tad's segment. So. With that in mind, let's do the closing of the show so I can time travel. You're going to experience, too. If you got all the way here, you go, like, oh, wow, he really time traveled. <laughs> no, I, I know you're not that gullible. I know it for a fact. I'm not even going to, like, plead. I just know for a fact you know that I'm playing around, but I will edit that in. Just saying I'm going to edit it in. The painkillers are no longer working. Um, hey. Patreon.com slash NoPersinium is how you support us. NoPersinium.com is the hub for all things immersive. EverythingImmersive.com is a Facebook group. And don't forget about our Slack. Bitly, bit.ly slash NoProSlack. I think that's how it goes. Or maybe it's bitly.com slash NoProSlack. Catherine will collect, correct me later. Um, Catherine, who makes this place run. Uh, there'd be none of this without Catherine. Uh, we are all in her debt, eternally in her debt. Um, I'm not being facetious. I'm being dead serious. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, 
Ari Hurston, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Sigworth. Ah, Sigworth. I can't talk. I cannot form vowels and consonants in my mouth for reasons that are too gross to get into. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Oh, I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. We're all exhausted. For those of you who are going to be in Denver, I'll see you soon. Otherwise, until next time, I'll see you at the show.